Welcome to episode 18 of the City of Champions podcast. My name is Edgar, your co-host, and I'm joined by my co-host Gene today to talk about the Dodgers versus the Giants and the Lakers versus the Suns. But let's get started with the Dodgers Giants series. Not so not so good on that front. Lost three out of four games and looked bad. What were your initial thoughts on that, Gene? Exactly what you said, bro. It was, uh, it sucks to lose to the Giants. It's, uh, yeah, not, not a lot of good things to say, man. Um, often struggled, starting pitching struggled, bullpen struggled, Dave Roberts struggled. It was just an overall shitty series. Um, and it's just frustrating because we go from sweeping the Giants to them taking three or four at home against us, uh, drops us a third place, two and a half out of first. Yeah, just a uh, overall frustrating, uh, frustrating series, man. Um, one of my biggest takeaways, and I know we'll go into into different details, but uh, hitting with runners in scoring position—that's a stat and a data point I've been tracking all season. And we were four for twenty-eight uh, this series with runners in scoring position. That's a one forty-two batting average, and I know uh, we had poor starts by Udias and Kershaw. Uh, you know, the bullpen pitched a great bullpen game, but then kind of struggled. After that, um, except today the bullpen did find Kershaw struggled, but just, um, if we're not hitting with runners in scoring position, we cannot win those games. So just, uh, the offense could have been better, but honestly, all around, man, just not a lot of positives. Yeah, man. And, uh, I want to go in on Roberts and there's one particular sequence that I want to call out. Because it was one of many really poor decisions on his ha- on his behalf. And this happened on, on Saturday, right? Urias is just getting pummeled. Just getting destroyed, right? He's getting destroyed. He's in there. Normally what you would do is pull the guy, right? At the first sign of trouble, which could have been as early as the third inning, to be quite honest. But he leaves him in there. And why does he leave him in there? Because the day before, or two days before, we had a bullpen game. And so our bullpen is depleted. So now he's stuck, leaving Urias in to get pummeled by the Giants. But that's not even the worst of it, right? Urias finishes four innings. Or he finishes, he goes through five innings, right? He goes through five innings. He allows the seven runs. I think six of them are earned. And we go into the bottom half of the inning. The pitcher spot is due up. I believe it was third. So you think, okay, well, this has to be it for Urias. He's already had a pretty poor game. It's, it's time to pull him. Pitcher spot would be the perfect time to pinch hit. So his spot comes up, and I think it was, I can't remember if it was Noisy or McKinstry. I, I think it was Noisy because McKinstry was still out. Noisy's coming up to bat, it seems. But very last minute, Roberts decides to let Urias hit. So that right off the top is like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to let him keep going? You're going to let him pitch another, another another inning? It's ridiculous. Guy's getting pummeled. 
So then Urias makes the third out. But what happens next just blows my mind. I cannot explain it. No one that I asked on Twitter could explain it. He pulls Urias. He pulls him. Doesn't even let him go back out. So he let Urias hit. So he can make the third out and then pulled him. How do you explain that? I'm, I'm going to give that one to you. How do you explain that? What is the thinking behind that? That's To me, that's just a really poor decision. It doesn't make sense. It seems to me like he hesitated or something. I don't know. A lapse of thinking. I just, I, I don't know. What would you think about that? Honestly, I think the decision was, um, I think it was just about the score, man. At, at that point, um, so he got pulled in the sixth. So looking at the score at that point, uh, Giants were up seven at the end of the six. It was seven to seven to three. So honestly, or seven to four. So, I mean, the game wasn't too far out of hand. You know, we're still kind of in it. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Um, maybe Roberts didn't want to burn a, a pinch hitter in that situation, hoping that, you know, he could save it for later in the game. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't really know, um, the thought process behind that. I mean, maybe he thought, you know, Odias could put together a good at bat. Um, let me see, uh, just kind of want to see something real quick. So looking at the sixth inning, um, looked like we were kind of rallying. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know, man. Mind-boggling, I, right? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't, it's I don't one of the, get it. It's one of the worst calls I've ever, I mean, obviously, well, it, was, it, it had, had no he impact. Pulled him, he pulled him in the fifth inning, right? So, hold up, hold up, hold up. He pulled him in the fifth inning. So, at that point, okay, so, all right, let's back up. He pulled him in the fifth. At that point, the Dodgers were down seven to two. So that makes a little bit more sense to me because at that point, I think, I think I'm thinking he's maybe thinking, ah, five run game. We're kind of, you know, the Dodgers are out of it. You know, why, why, you know, burn a pinch hitter, you know, just let Udias hit and then just call it a day. Um, but also, bro, when he pulled him, you know, McKinstry struck out, Udias goes, he strikes out and then Gavin Lux grounds out. So that, that was the inning. There wasn't like there was, I think if there was runners on, on base, he maybe lets them go back out. Um, but there, there wasn't any runners on base or anything like that. We were already down five runs. So I think Roberts was trying to say, you know, play it like, uh, let me save a, let me, let me not burn a pinch hitter here for, for no reason. Like what would have been the purpose of putting a pinch hitter there? Honestly, there's no one on base. You could do a double switch to the eighth and ninth guy and it has no impact whatsoever. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I just, I don't see, to me, like, I don't see the purpose of, in pinch hit. I mean, I guess you can get something going, maybe get a rally going or something like that. I just, the game was, you know, was, like I said, it was five to two. I just don't see really the, the purpose in, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you can go either way. You can say pinch hit for him and maybe something gets going. You don't pinch hit for him. Like you, now you don't, you don't burn a, you don't burn a hitter and you, you keep that hitter alive for later in the game. But I mean, the game at that point, I feel like was out of hand. So I think Roberts was kind of managing, like managing, like it was a game already kind of lost to be honest with you. But yeah. Okay. So taking what you just said, right. McKinstry was eighth in the lineup. 
And he got taken out for Vesia anyway in the very next inning. So again, it doesn't make sense, right? So what could have happened is you put a pinch hitter in for Rudias, let him hit, then take him out and put the pitchers, the, the pitcher in the eighth spot and let whoever went into pitch hit fill in the ninth, uh, ninth slot. And it's the exact same thing. Nothing really happens. You don't waste anyone. You don't waste a pinch hitter. Like at the end of the day, what, what is, what is a pinch hitter? Come on. If you're down and you're worried about losing, you're not really losing anything by throwing a pinch hitter in. So it just, it, it do- doesn't make sense. And so here's the thing, man. Like, I know you want to go in on Roberts about this, but this has nothing to do with Roberts. Like, to me, honestly, it doesn't. Like, the game to, like, we're already down 5-2. Udias had a bad start. It is what it is. I know you, you don't like that Roberts left him in the game. Um, sure, he could have pulled him early, and you know, but, you know, like, you blame it on the bullpen game, right? You're like, well, we had a bullpen game. And since we had a bullpen game, Udias had to stay there and just get kind of get slapped around by the Giants. But the reality, like, to me, that's not on Udias. And that's not, or my fault. It's not, and it's not on, and it's not on Roberts either. Roberts has no control over, over who's on the 40 man roster. We literally have no one to bring up to be the fifth starter, healthy on the 40 man roster, ready to go. Gonsolin's still working back. I know you had mentioned, well, what about David Price? David Price just came back from the, the IL, um, in the bullpen game. He, he threw, uh, two and two thirds, 35 pitches. I mean, you're not going to push him much more beyond that, especially him just coming off the IL. So, you know, Josiah Gray is hurt, you know, or dealing with some shoulder stuff. So for me, it's just if the front office doesn't want these bullpen games, they should have traded for like a, a, a low level fifth starter just to kind of buy some time till Gonsling came back or something. But Roberts can only play the, the cards he's dealt, man. And it was just that we, we happened to be in that part of the schedule where we had uh, what is it? We had, dude, now we're, we're in the part of the schedule, man, where we have, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No, 10, no, nine. Yeah. Nine games, nine straight games. So there, there, there might be another bullpen game coming, man, soon. Um, or we might be all right, actually, but that's, uh, you know, hopefully Tony Gonsolin's, you know, good to go soon. This is just to me, it's a ripple effect of injuries, man. We were able to get away with the four-man rotation here and there, a couple bullpen games here and there. But the bullpen, for the most part, pitched well. They won the only game in the series. And honestly, you know, honestly, the only way that the bullpen really bit us in the ass was um, the game that Bueller started, the second game, uh, where, where Trinan struggled and Jansen struggled. You know, besides that, other guys that struggled out of the bullpen were like Bessia and Mitch White, and they probably won't be in the bullpen for much longer once Gonsolin comes back and Gratterall comes back. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm not really dwelling on it too much. It's just you know injuries, injuries, man. It's I I think it's a product of injuries still. But it's not injuries. I mean, it's poor management. At the end of the day, it's poor management, right? No. You have how is it? Poor, have, how is it poor management, bro? How is it poor? No, no. You, so, so, so you're, you're saying though you don't like the bullpen game. I don't like bullpen games either. How is a bullpen game poor management when he does, he legit doesn't have a fifth starter? Price and Gonsolin are both starters. They've Gonsolin is in. not, Gonsolin is not up though right now. He's rehab. Yeah. He's still coming back. He, he, he would have been back weeks ago if he wasn't in going, you know, going into the starting role. Price has been a starter his entire life. He's always trained to be a starter. He, Pitched 2.2 innings, had five strikeouts, no hits, no walks at the beginning of that bullpen game. 
clearly not struggling. Clearly could have gotten more, right? So these are two starters. Why aren't you, you know, you've lost one of, you know, your fifth starter. So why aren't you having them prepare like starters? And what is taking so long? It doesn't take that long to come back to train or prepare as a starter. But that's not, okay, so Gonslin coming back from injury, being out basically the whole season, that's not on Roberts, him getting ready. That That's on the organization taking their time. Dave Roberts has nothing to do with that. That's not his fault. Gonslin's working his way back. David Price hasn't pitched more than maybe three innings all season as far as like in a row. Like, I don't think he even, he's even pitched three like total innings like in, in one outing. So you're going to stretch out David Price the furthest you've ever stretched him out all season right after he's just gotten back from the IL. And I get you, he's been a starter his whole career, but are you going to push him? That to me would be poor management. Push him too hard too soon and then you lose him again. That to me would be poor management. I thought he managed that well. It's not like he knew Udius was going to struggle, bro. It's not like he knew Udius. I mean, that's been kind of our strength all season has been our starting pitching. Just, you know, we had back-to-back poor outings, man. Uh, Udias struggled and Kershaw struggled. Bueller had a solid outing. The bullpen did their job, you know, in the bullpen game. You know, we were expecting Udias to, to, to pick us up and Kershaw to pick us up and both, both didn't, man. And it kind of, it is what it is. I don't feel like that falls on Robert, man. Like if your issues with the bullpen game, I would say one, it's injuries. And if you say like, no, like, it's not injuries. And I would say two, then it's on the front office. The front office puts the roster together. If they didn't want bullpen games anymore, they should have picked up a cheapy, cheap ass veteran fifth starter who can go out there and throw four to five innings and whatever, just keep you in the game. So then why but do we need have- Roberts? Why, why, why is Roberts even the manager then if he's not making the decisions? If it's just the front office who making makes all the, the ro- decisions? Roberts doesn't well, make the decisions for who to pick up and drop like on the 40 man roster, bro. That, that, who, that, that, that's on the, that's on the, the on, front office. And on any other team, who makes roster decisions? It is the coach, not the front no, office. No, 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 yes, no, yes, no, yes. no, no, bro. Come you, on, man. You, you think, know the you, manager, the manager think, makes, hold on. The manager makes the decisions of who plays. He, he draws up the lineup card, right? The, the manager is in charge of the 25 players on the active roster. Yes. But who goes on to the 40 man roster, but who's available to come up? That's not on the manager, bro. That's the front office. The manager has some say in it, but if the front office doesn't feel like it's time to make a trade to get a fifth starter, that's not on Roberts. He just has to play the cards he's been dealt. We're just waiting for Tony Gonsolin to get ready to go. I think he may be one more start, one more rehab start, and he'll be ready to go. And then everything will be fine. Everything will be back to normal. You know, guys will go back to their regular roles. No more bullpen games, and hopefully we're good to go from there. But I feel like Roberts has done a great job managing with only four starters. Man, think you, about it. We went on a hot streak with only four starters. Do you think Brian Cashman was telling Joe Torre how to manage his team? You think Tony LaRusso is going to let the GM tell him what to do? No, 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 he's not. But I guarantee you that Tony LaRusso is going to manage the team that's been given to him. And that's all Roberts is doing. He's managing the team that's been given to him. He he's not going to go and say, you know, he's not going to go and, you know, uh, try to start someone he can't start. It's not his fault. He doesn't have a starter. He, he's been mad. And, and we didn't say shit about it when the Dodgers were winning all these games, did we? No one said shit about Roberts when the Dodgers were on their hot streak. And now we lose when we won those other bullpen games. They nobody say shit. And now we, you know, we struggle one series and now it's back to Roberts. Oh, Roberts is the issue. Nah, man, it's not on Roberts. That, that issue, that's injuries. One, 
And then two, I would put it more on the front office for not picking up a fifth starter and continuing to run out these bullpen games. We could have easily traded a lower level prospect, got a, a starter that a team that's, you know, or pick someone up. Fucking, I don't, I don't know. Free, I'm sure that there's something out there the front office could have done so we don't have to keep throwing these bullpen games out there. Cause I don't like, I don't like bullpen games either, but I'm not playing, I'm not blaming bullpen games on, on Robert. Is it true or is it not true that Roberts has over relied on the bullpen for a, a lot of years now? Oh, and for sure. Always, and I and feel it's like, always come back I, to bite us in the ass. And I, I agree. I agree. And I feel like, but right. But you have to admit that right now, that's not on him. And that's, and, and I would even, so I argue that this season, and we've even talked about this on earlier episodes that he's allowed starters to go deeper in game, right? He's allowed, you know, he's allowed uh, he power. Bauer, he's allowed it. Bauer, but no, but he's allowed Odius to go to the seventh, Bueller to pitch seven, Kershaw, you know, when he can get to the seventh. Yeah, but you know, in, ter- like, in terms of pitch count, he doesn't let anyone go above 100 pitches. The innings are, you know, irrelevant. Kershaw went over 100 today. He Bauer's lets Bauer. over 100 multiple he's, times. It's only Bueller's Bauer. Gone, it's only Bueller's Bauer. Gone over, Bueller's gone over 100, bro. It's not just, it's not just Bauer. So, because, see, see, like... And this is like we're a prisoner of the moment, man, because in earlier episodes, we were talking about are we concerned with Roberts letting the starting pitching go too deep in games? Like, are we concerned that maybe he's wearing out arms too early in the season? And now we're saying he's over-reliant on the bullpen. So I think we're just a prisoner of the moment right now. Um, I don't like bullpen games. You know that. I'm not a fan of bullpen games just like you. But we also have to acknowledge the fact that it is what it is, man. It's because we have nine games in a row we only have four starters, so we have to essentially use the bullpen as the fifth starter to buy time to get to the next guy. And it, it, it sucks, but, man, like, fuck it, dude. Like, soon enough, it won't be an issue, and, and we I, can move on. I don't know, man. I mean, I think the guys that we used to have before, Jared Weaver, for example, right? This guy would throw 130 pitches every game, and he used to throw 240 innings a year. And he wasn't the best pitcher, but he went out there and he gave you innings. And it was never a problem. Now, I looked at the amount of uh, pitches thrown for each of the starters this series. Kershaw went 104 pitches. He had the most. Everyone else in the 80s and 90s. So, but why? Udia struggled. Udius Udius struggled. So, why are you going to throw him out to see now? Like you said, you, you said he should have yes, pulled him out Exactly. Sooner. He struggled, but you left him in. So, what is the point in pulling him after he's already struggled? He's only 82 pitches in, so just leave him in there. If you're going to let him struggle, I mean, let him struggle. I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I would have, you know, thrown him out there another inning because you already burned the bullpen, right? You, you burned the exactly. bullpen in the bullpen game. So why not leave him out there another? I wouldn't have been mad at that. Let him go six, whatever, dude. Let him go through 100, up to 100 pitches. Like, exactly. Fuck it, why not? I wouldn't have been mad at that. Um, you know, I think I think he played Bueller correctly. Um, I think he handled Bueller well. thought he handled Kershaw well. Um, and so... I'm not, I'm not going to allow myself to be, you know, to, to dump on Dave Roberts for this series, man. Uh, I thought he could have managed better. Of course he could have managed better, but the offense could have hit better. Kershaw and Udias could have pitched better. The bullpen could have been better. You know, our top bullpen arm struggled a little bit. So it is what it is, man. Bad series. On to the next one. I mean, bad series, but again, it's these decisions are compounding and we go on these hot streaks and then we go on these cold streaks. And that's and baseball, always, bro. That's baseball. Always, but not this, not, not this, not these kind of, I think we went 13 and like two and then five and 15, then 13 and two. And now we're zero and three. And it's like a lot of this could have been prevented. And again, if it is the front office making the decisions and if, and if it is them calling the shots, 
Then why why do they have Roberts? Do they just have him as like a culture guy? Like a I think you know cheerleader. I think, you're I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying, bro. What I'm saying is is that the front office, with input from Dave Roberts, has constructed the 40 man roster. At this moment, due to injuries, there is no other starter on the 40 man roster that we can utilize. The only one that's working their way back right now is Tony Gonsolin, but he's not ready to go. So because Roberts has no other pitcher on the 40-man roster to bring up to start a game, he has to go to a bullpen game. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so then it's Friedman because he's signing these entry-prone pitchers, and now we're starting to see the effect of what happens when they all get injured. Yeah, he... He does sign like these, you know, bargain bin arms from time to time. I, I would agree with that. But I just think, I think once Dustin May went down, once Dustin May went down, I think we should have looked at, we knew Gonsolin wouldn't be ready soon. Uh, once they saw Desire Gray get hurt also, so we didn't have any starting, another starting pitcher on the 40-man roster that would have been ready for the big leagues. I think they should have looked at making the trade. I think they should have looked at, Okay, let's go get uh, uh, either trade for a veteran pitcher, you know, from a team who has like an extra starting pitcher or or let's just sign someone, sign someone who just recently got released and, and, and fuck it, dude, throw them out there every fifth day. Let them throw, you know, four to five innings and whatever. Just live with it. Now, let, we're going to pause this and we're going to take a break and we'll talk about the Lakers next. All right, City of Champion podcast listeners, it's now time to talk about your Los Angeles Lakers who took the L tonight or this afternoon against the uh, Phoenix Suns, lost 100 to 92. The series is now tied 2-2. Um, and the real big storyline here is honestly, I'm not even, the game was the game. We lost. Um, honestly, I'm surprised that we only lost by eight. But the real storyline here has to be injuries. And we have to start off with Anthony Davis, who, in my opinion, didn't even look right in the minutes that he played in the first half. And then he also doesn't return after halftime with a groin injury. Now, Shams has reported, Shams has reported that he looks like he can play game five, that the injury is not as serious as it could have been. So that tells me it's probably like a grade one strain, you know, get some work done and he should hopefully be good to go game five. But Edgar, let's just start off with this. Are, are you worried about Anthony Davis? Am I worried about Anthony Davis? Um, I mean, I am worried just because the groin injury is one of those things that you rely on. You rely on you're going for a lot of um, you know mobility, for a lot of turning, jumping, running. It's a very it's like a hamstring. You know, you rely on the hamstring a lot. A banged up knee, unless you you know strain it, you can usually play through the soreness, wrap it up. Same with an ankle wrap it up, play through the soreness, but hamstring groin, those are very limiting in terms of, you know, your mobility. I'm worried because we, you know, LeBron doesn't look right. He doesn't look hundred percent. I'm worried because we can't shoot for shit. So normally I wouldn't be worried as much, you know, AD goes down, he's got a, a, gra- a groin strain, 
let them sit out one game. We've got the rest of the team playing well. They'll hold it down for a game, but that's just not the case. We, we, we're over relying on AD and if he goes out, then we lose the series. Yeah. So, um, I agree with you, man. I, I've always, I've always been high on the Lakers as long as LeBron and Anthony Davis are good to go because they're so important to our defense and offense. Really, it all revolves around the both of them. And one of that, when one of them is missing, it really impacts our team. And the groin is concerning, but so is the knee sprain. Like you saw him today, he didn't look right. He didn't look athletic. He didn't look right with that knee sprain. So I'm hoping, you know, hey, I, he, he tried to thug it out for a half. It didn't go right. Hopefully it was just more precaution. Hey, like we're not even going to push you. Let's see if the team can pull this, this game out. And he's just getting work done on the knee, work done on the groin. I mean, he only really gets, I think we're back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're back on Tuesday. So he only gets Monday off, man. <laughs> That's it. And it's game time Tuesday. So, um, so here's my question, bro, is how do you handle AD moving forward? Cause so, and, and another question with that is, so you feel like the Lakers can't win this series without Anthony Davis, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, unless we start shooting, unless we start shooting and I, they they haven't given me a reason to feel like that's going to start to happen. And so I, I, so, and I agree with you, man, you, you hit it right on the head earlier where you said LeBron is not right. He's not a hundred percent. And on top of that, it's not like we're shooting the ball well. Right. So with those two things, plus no Anthony Davis, we don't win this series. And people on Twitter are like, if you don't think the Lakers can win this series without Anthony Davis, you need to t- turn in your Laker fan card. And I say to that, fuck you. Um, because it's not that we're not fans. It's just we know what the team can do with and without Anthony Davis. And two also is the Suns are a good basketball team, man. Today they today they beat us, but it was a team win for them. Everyone contributed. Bridges, Crowder, Aiton, Booker, Paul, Payne, uh, Cameron Payne. Everyone contributed, and that's how they beat us. Then you see on our end, we struggled as a team to score and to shoot well and to play together. So us saying that we don't think the Lakers can win without AD doesn't say we're not fans or we don't believe or anything like that. It's Honestly, it's just a reality, man. It doesn't look good. If LeBron was 100% healthy... And we were shooting. And here's another thing, bro, is if LeBron was 100% healthy, if Casey, because we're also without KCP, that's two starters down. If KCP was healthy and we were shooting the ball well, I'd feel way better. I'd feel that, yeah, LeBron can win two of the next three. We're good. But with everything else going on, I, I don't, I'm not feeling very confident if Anthony Davis can't go. So my question is uh, for you, Edgar, how do you handle Anthony Davis moving forward? So just so you, just for like a timeline. So let me double check real quick, but I believe we play Tuesday, Thursday, and then Sunday. So I'm going to double check for you right now. Yep. Tuesday, Thursday. Oh no. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So it's one day off game, one day off game, one day off. That's it. There's not a lot of rest. So how do you handle Anthony Davis moving forward, man? Just 
to try to get the best, the biggest bang for your buck and try to kind of wrap this series up. This is my thinking, right? He goes into the back during halftime. And in my mind, I'm thinking they look at the situation. They say, look, he's hobbling. He's already not playing 100%. On top of that, he just sort of re-aggravated his groin. So we could let him go back out there where he, he'll be playing at 50%, 60%. And we risk losing him for the rest of the playoffs. Or let's just call it quits now, see what happens with what's on the floor, and get him good to go for the game on, uh, on Tuesday, right? That's sort of where I'm at. That's my wishful thinking. That's what I'm hoping is the case. Um, but it's, it's hard to say, right? Because on the flip side, this is the playoffs and there is no tomorrow, right? If you lose this round, you're, you're out for an entire year. So if that were the case and they honestly felt like it was do or die, then they would have sent him back out there because, you know, if you lose, you lose, but at least you lost with AD yeah. out there. So yeah, that's sort of what I I'm hanging you. on to. And, and I think, I, I think that is wishful I'm not even going to say wishful thinking, but I think that's the best case scenario. The best case scenario is like that the training staff and Vogel are just like, look, man, we're in this game. Let's see if Braun can pull it out in the second half. Let's get, let's give AD the second half off. Let's not push him too hard with that groin. Let's get some more work on that knee and try to get him to, you know, let's say today he was at like 65%. Let's try to get him to 80% for game five. And so, um, but here's one of my concerns, man, is let's say you put him out there for game five and he re-aggravates the injury, then you're fucked for game six and game seven. Maybe you sit him game five, get him good to go, right? Because if you sit him game five, that gives him essentially Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That essentially gives him four days for work, man. Four days for rehab and just work and treatment. And then hopefully he's good to go, um, for Thursday's game, and then, but then you might put yourself in a situation. If you lose game five, you put yourself in a situation where you have to win two games in a row with game seven on the road, which is tough. And not that I don't think, I mean, I believe if AD is 100%, he's not, I don't think he's going to be 100%, but if AD is, if AD can get to the level where he was at games one, two, and three, um, just by resting and missing one game, then I'd, I'd have fully, I'd have a hundred percent confidence in the Lakers to win game six and seven and win the series. But, um, it's just, man, it's difficult. It's difficult. Really. We don't know. Like you said, it just depends on the severity of injury and only he knows how his body feels. And so we'll see how the Lakers play it, man. Um, you know, he tried to thug it out today and play, but that knee is also giving them issues, man. And so now you're talking about someone who came off like a lower leg injury with like the calf Achilles area now has a sprained knee and has a strained groin. That lower body's falling apart, man. That's not a good look in the long term. And so I'm hoping the Lakers are just playing it safe and he's good to go game five. But, um, yeah, I don't know if he's not, uh, if he's not good to go, I don't see the Lakers winning this series, man. And that, that sucks. My prediction was always six. Um, you know, so, but if he's not, let's say AD's not good to go, bro. Let's say AD's not good to go. They got to sit him out game five. 
What are you looking for from the Lakers in that game? I think if he's not good to go, they need to say he's not good to go. And they do they need to do it quick. It, not not so much publicly, I, I could care less, but internally to get the rest of the team in the right mindset going into the next game. Can't be a game time decision where like, oh no, he's not playing and everyone's sort of like, oh shit, you know, we, we didn't have time to prepare both mentally and uh you know strategically, tactically. So if he isn't going to play, let them know now. Let them get ready. If he's not, then, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say. And so I hear you on that. Because that's something, something that Braun said, man, is he, um, he said how hard it was to kind of adjust on the fly once they found out AD wasn't going to be in the game, right? Because then everyone's adjusting. Vogel's trying to find the right lineup, the right chemistry to counter, you know, the Suns. And it looked like he found something there in the fourth quarter. And uh, Krandis McBasketball, um, I often talk about Krandis McBasketball and their Laker Exceptionalism podcast. Uh, great podcast, man. Shout out to them. Uh, if you don't follow Krandis McBasketball, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Um, so he threw out that, this is what he tweeted out. He said, if AD is out, things need to get really simple. To win, you have to maximize LeBron James, which I agree with 100%. And he said the way to do that is you have to start Gasol at the five to open up the floor and then put LeBron at the power forward to kind of open up the offense and allow LeBron James to get downhill and create, right, and create the optimal conditions for him offensively to get into the lane and kick out to shooters. Now, he provided some data with that tweet. And he said in the fourth quarter, the lineup of Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, Wes Matthews, LeBron James, and Gasol, they had an offensive rating of 150. And he says it was their most used lineup. Because what it did was it forced uh, DeAndre Ayton to go guard Gasol at the three-point line, which takes him away from the paint, which opens up the driving lanes. And he said on the season, that five-man lineup of Schroeder, Caruso, Matthews, Braun, and Gasol, on the season, they had an offensive rating of 126, a defensive rating of 116, which is a plus 10 net positive. So he's, he's his suggestion, and, you know, they base a lot of their, you know, their opinions and insight on data. This is all based on data. His opinion is... If Anthony Davis is not good to go game five, you start with Marcus Gasol. And you go with Marcus Gasol, LeBron at the four, Wes Matthews at the three, uh, Caruso at the two, and Dennis Schroeder at the one. But he also talked about, because someone asked about, well, what if KCP is healthy? He said, if KCP is healthy, you can sub him for Caruso. He said, you can also sub Kuzma in for Wes Matthews in that lineup. But essentially what he's saying is the key is move LeBron to the four and Gasol to the five, and he thinks that opens up things offensively, because that's my concern. Not defense. Our defense has been pretty sick, uh, uh, sick all series, and, and really um, containing the Suns. My biggest concern is is the offense. And a part of that, man, is uh, I'm going to get on this dude's head again, is Dennis Schroeder. This was his, and I don't know how you feel about this, Edgar, but I feel like this was his opportunity to show us like that he's worth that money he wants, right? Last part, we said, pay that man. Do you still feel the same way about him after this game? Do you still feel like 
pay that man. Like when your second best player goes down, your third best player should be stepping up. Am I, am I wrong in that? You're not wrong. I, I just think it, it was sort of the, the situation. It's hard to adjust. Um, I wouldn't really blame him. It's just, you know, it's short notice. So he does need to be more consistent. But I think the next game will be more telling than this game. And I agree with you, bro. I agree with you 100%. But I'm not going to let him off the hook. I, I agree that I think next game he'll be good to go. And I think he'll play better. Because he, if AD doesn't start, he'll know in his head, like, I'm number two. I got to get going for the jump. I got to be aggressive. But he knew in the locker room that AD wasn't going to come out in the second half. And so you're just, you're just being a victim of the situation, bro. <laughs> Touche, touche. Um, I just, you know me, bro. I'm up and down on Schroeder. Like, I'm never sold on him, and I, and I don't feel any different. It's just three for 13, bro, eight points, four rebounds, three assists. Come on, man. That's not it. And and so two things I wrote down, like, on my notes were that Kuzma and Schroeder would need to step up. If AD doesn't play game five and we want to steal a game in Phoenix, Kuzma and Schroeder got to score. Macklemore, man. Two or three from uh, three-point land. I mean, Macklemore is cool, bro, but you're just hoping he comes off the bench and gets hot. But I mean, and he can. He can. He can definitely get, he, he can, for sure. We saw it during the regular season. He can. But I'm saying, like, that's not something we can, that's not someone we can bank on. You need your next couples, because Anthony Davis provides so much offense. So you need Schroeder and Kuzma to score the ball. That's my concern. My concern is offense, it's not defense. But um, it's going to be interesting, man. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I I don't know, man. Do you have any other thoughts? No, uh, I, I'm I'm annoyed at ESPN. I'm annoyed at the media. The the way they framed the situation, I guess, was oh, you know, how heroic of CP3 to push through the pain and play. At the same time, you've got AD hobbling up and down the court. No mention of him whatsoever. And it's like they're making all the excuses they can for the Suns, but when it comes to the Lakers, even the officiating, right? That flagrant foul on LeBron that wasn't called. It's those kinds of things that really just annoy me. Don't know if the NBA is watching, but I mean, come on. It was a clear flagrant that wasn't even like checked. It was in a basketball play by Crowder. He just Are you referring him. to the one where he grabbed him? Yeah, by the by the shoulder neck area. By the shoulders. Yeah, Braun was pissed. Dog. I don't know if you saw his reaction. He was pissed. Yeah, he was pissed, rightfully so, right? And it wasn't even like taken to... To, to the review booth to see if it was a flagrant, which it was. And and so the reason I don't think it was a flagrant, bro, is because he didn't drop him to the floor. He kind of tried to hold him. But I agree with you. You know, the flagrant, the flagrant says, like, it, it, it talks about excessive contact. I don't think the contact was excessive, but that definitely was not a basketball play. And LeBron has all the reason in the world to be pissed off. Like, yo, get the fuck off me. Like, that's an annoying foul. Like, why are you trying to pull me back from my shoulders? Yeah, unnecessary. Should have been a flagrant. Should have been reviewed at the very least. Yeah, I feel like, so, I don't like to discuss officiating, but I feel like the officiating can kind of bullshit this series. Um, and so, that's kind of sucked. And and the ESPN coverage is horrible, bro. I'm going to just be, Mark Jackson and, and Jeff Van Gundy, I can't listen to them. I just can't, man. They're, they're clearly Laker haters. Clearly Laker haters. You know, and so... It's it's whatever, man. Uh, you know, hopefully we get some T. I think we got TNT coverage for a couple of the next, like two of the next three. And so. I know, man. I think, you know, even the NBA, why haven't they gone back to review CP3's dirty plays? 
because yeah i mean the, and what are they going to do about it bro like they're, they're really not going to do no, anything about it now why did they suspend draymond green right his kick to the nuts not basketball plays cp3 alone had three of those last game and then he had the shoulder pull the first game not even a peep from the nba and you know there's a video going on around on twitter where it clearly shows one he just pushes schroeder to the ground and the other one where he kicks out and chips kuzma those are deliberate dirty plays and then on top of that you've got the shoulder pull on lebron those are deliberate dirty plays and so honestly, so this is the angle you have to take with that. I think as the team is the organization, the Lakers need to send that footage to the league and say some shit like, yo, this is unacceptable. Like you guys need to be on the lookout for this so that they, they keep their eyes open. And when it happens again, they, they address it. Right. Cause the reason Chris Paul gets away with that is cause it hasn't been checked. It hasn't been addressed. You don't think anyone at the NBA is, they haven't seen that. It's all over social media. No, for sure. For sure. For sure they have, bro. But I don't know what the process is to, to go look back at fouls and, you know, assess them and, and whatnot. But what I'm saying is that if I'm the Lakers, I'm on the phone with the league. I'm sending them the clips. I'm saying, yo, this is bullshit. You guys need to talk to the refereeing crew to look out for this. This is unsafe for our players. You know, you think about all the dirty plays, the, the flagrant on Schroeder, um, the, the, the shove down of shoulder by CP three, the trip of Kuzma, the pull down of LeBron James, the, the, the two shoulder pullback of LeBron today by Jay Crowder. So there's been a lot of just dirty fouls by the Suns, And so, I mean, if I'm the Lakers, I'm letting the league know, um, you got to put the pressure on the league. That's what you got to do, man. You got to put the pressure on the league. Yeah. And that's where I wish Vogel would sort of speak up in press conferences. I think this is a tactic that, uh, Phil Jackson used to, you know, use very, very well. He's got to do something like that. Put pressure on the league because, you know, and, and Phil Jackson made it sound so nonchalant, but what he was really doing it, you know, what he was really doing was he was putting it out in the world, giving the media reporters something to talk about, magnifying it to the point where the NBA could not ignore it. Vogel's got to do that. Yeah, that that's kind of like the game within the game. You know, that's like the game within the game as a as a coach, as a team, especially in the playoffs is controlling the media narrative. And the I feel like Monty Williams has done a really good job of that, honestly, constantly complaining about like the free throw disparity or the fouls like yada yada yada. So, um I mean, maybe Vogel's just like not trying to get distracted by that. I don't know, man. I don't know, but it is what it is. Got to move on, you know. No excuses. We got to get this next dub. All right, man. Well, that'll wrap it up for us, y'all. Um, episode 18 in the bag. Uh, we'll, we'll be back with you all um, after, you know, after the next Lakers game, after uh, game five back in Phoenix and after the Dodgers Cardinal series. Um, we appreciate the support. Uh, continue to follow us on Twitter at underscore city of champs. Make sure you subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple pod. If you're on Apple podcasts, uh, leave a five-star review for us and show us some love. Uh, check out the store at, at cityofchips.com. New merch going up. Uh, be on the lookout on Twitter for our next giveaways. We just, uh, you know, gave away uh, five sticker packs this morning to some of our followers. So be on the lookout and make sure you're participating. Uh, we appreciate the love and the support y'all. Peace.